it is time again for another episode of the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I am your humble host, Chad Edgington, joined by Melissa Edgington, the lovely Melissa Edgington, as we seek to come into your iPhone or your iPad, <laughs> maybe your Kindle Fire, maybe your Samsung Galaxy. <laughs> Maybe it's an iPod, fifth generation. I don't know. I don't understand any of that. Somehow the way this works is we talk, we put it out there into the World Wide Webs, you listen, and you are either angered or blessed. <laughs> so, wow, here we are, uh, back again. This is the eighth... Day eight. Day eight of our... 31 for 31 in May. Uh, this is 2018, if you're wondering what year it was. <laughs> you still, still writing 2017 on checks? No. I'm, are, I'm, are you? No, I really... Had, I, I don't know what it was about this year. Some years are easier than others to get you know to get the year right. Yeah. And uh, I just really made a smooth transition to, to 2018. That's wonderful. Yeah. I don't write that many checks, though. Do you? No, I hardly ever write checks. Yeah. It used to be a thing, you know, checks. I wrote one today. Yeah. We, well, we don't we don't even need to write checks to spend money these days. We just swipe it. Yeah. Chip it. That's a little too easy now. Just chipping it's harder than writing a check. Because you never can, you know. This is what they, the, the, the problem with chipping it. Have you gotten used to that yet? I think so. Okay. Well, I was, when when chipping it first came out. You take the card, you put it in the slot, and then it says something like, uh, do not remove. And you read remove. Well, I'm just saying I'm reading it really carefully whenever we first start chipping it. But now that I've kind of gotten comfortable with chipping, I just see the word remove. <laughs> I don't see do not or you can. I just... Yeah, you so you I, are that man. Yeah, I'm who, the old, the old everyone's man. in line behind you. Oh, did I just pull that uh, <laughs> card out at the wrong time? I'm so sorry. Uh, are you, oh, I have to do it. I've just started over again. I am I'm, I'm, man. I'm really sorry. I I don't know. I I just saw the word remove and I just pulled the card out. It'll beep at you when it wants you to take it out. Okay, all right, gotcha. The the ones at McDonald's really do. Yeah, it's not like crime baby and Target. <laughs> You know, when I <laughs> don't bring that up again, all right, all right, all right. Not you know, that up. when I, um, when I first started chipping it, um, that noise really freaked me out because you felt like you were doing something wrong because it sounds like you're trying to steal something. <laughs> That's true. But now I'm so used to it that I can be standing there, you know, talking to somebody and that thing's beeping at me and you don't even, and I don't it. even hear it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how it goes, man. Technology. I mean, chipping, it's one of those, it's like a, a new, it's less than a year old, I think, right? That, the, that that's become the standard way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, probably, I don't know. Isn't that, it's not that old of a thing. It's hard to keep track of time. Woo. Yeah. But not whenever you're doing 31 days and, or 31 podcasts and 31 days. It's easy to keep track of time because it feels like it, I can't believe it's only the eighth day of this experiment. I cannot believe it either. What this experiment is teaching us is that 31 days is a long time. Mm -hmm. To have to talk to your husband or wife every day for 31 days? 
No, it's to have to record your conversations. Yeah, we work a lot harder when we record them. Yeah. Because then you have to edit them. And you feel all this pressure to be funny and charming. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not like that's work. <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> I just try to do my little voices and, uh, you know, just bring a little cheer. You know, talking about chipping it reminds me of that day at Six Flags. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> okay, so I don't know what I was thinking. I, I guess I thought that the... so. Okay, so I really wanted a drink. Now, you go to the Six Flags over Texas, and they are going to charge you uh, a, a crazy amount of money for a soft drink. Yes. Something like um, $5.50 <laughs> for a, how much, what are these? 20 these are, ounce. 20 ounce bottle of of Coke Zero or water or whatever you want. And I was really thirsty. So I thought, well, I'm going to go get me, get me a soft drink. I didn't have any cash, as usual. So <laughs> <laughs> I took a credit card out. And I looked at the machine but I wasn't paying attention. It was the kind of machine that takes credit cards. It takes credit cards. I had MasterCard or whatever. And what I I thought <laughs> you could put cash in there <laughs> or you could just put your credit card in there. See, I thought it would take either one like a like a like the way a um like the way that a, a ATM takes your card and then gives it back to you. Yeah. So I just put my credit card right into that the the thing that takes the cash and it took it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I look right next to the little thing that takes the cash, and there's a little place where you can swipe your card. <laughs> and I thought, I'm such an idiot. What am I going to do? <laughs> that was so funny. The best part was just thinking about what the guy that empties. <laughs> he's like, he's got my name right there. He's like, I know the name of this idiot. <laughs> This is Chad Edgington. He probably looked me up on Facebook. He's like, well, what, a jerk, what an idiot. Jerk needs to learn how to use an ATM machine, uh, a Coke machine or whatever it was. Oh, man, that was terrible. That was so good. We had a good laugh over that. We laughed all the way from the, the, the Mexico section clear to um, Boomtown. <laughs> it was over there by the big boat. It was. We're, we're big Six Flags people. Anybody so else a big funny. Six Flags person? I would... I would uh, I guess a lot of people that are listening don't have a Six Flags near them. Yeah. It's, uh, in Texas, and especially North Central Texas, where I grew up, a Six Flags is a big deal. You know, going to Six Flags was a something you would do, look forward to in the summer. And uh, there were these people that had uh, what I considered to be, you know, like the holy grail of fun. They had a Six Flags season pass. Did you ever have a season pass growing up? I never had one. I thought kids that had season passes were probably the luckiest kids on the face of the earth. And uh, I never did have a season pass to Six Flags. But you know who had one? My brother. And my sister. <laughs> First born. Sorry. Out of luck. Yeah. So, So when I realized... <clears throat> how economical it was to have a season fast. It's just maybe $20 more than regular admission or di- even a discounted admission. I bought us all season passes. I bought four of them. I think Emerald was still too young to need one. 
And then every, about every other year we'll buy them. Yeah, it's, it's been really fun. And it's a fun thing to go do. Now the kids mm-hmm. are real roller coaster maniacs. They love to ride the big rides. And so we head out there, and we've, we've even, on one of our 31 for 31s, um, I'm going to tell you how to teach your kids to ride a roller coaster. We're not doing that one tonight. But we are going to, at some point, I'm going to tell you how you can, even if you're old like me, with as much gray hair as as I have, I can still ride a roller coaster and it doesn't hurt me. Yeah. Because I know how to ride a coaster. You do. I'm good at riding roller coasters. Yeah. It's an art form. And it's very manly. But tonight, <laughs> what we're going to talk about is how to sing in church. Teach your kids to sing in church. Teaching your kids to sing in church. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay some stuff down here on you, dear listener. And I want you to hear me from years of experience. All right, I've been going to church for a long time. And I was not always a singer in church. I was not confident. Really? Yeah, I was not confident in my singing. What are you doing there? Are you getting some sweet tea? It's unsweet tea. Unsweet tea. I, I'm from Texas, and I don't like sweet tea. In fact, yeah. I hate it. If I take a drink and it's sweet, I just pour it out. See, I like sweet tea. I don't know. It's I'm like not a can- fan. It's like candy. Yeah. It's like a candy drink. Yeah. And in Texas, they make it. It's just like drinking syrup. Cold, <laughs> ice cold syrup. Gross. I think it's good, though. I love sweet tea. Anyway, um... So let me give you my my background. Uh, my mom was a is is a pretty loud, enthusiastic singer. She likes to sing, and so she would sing in church and and just you know she had some volume whenever she sang. And I remember being kind of embarrassed by it as a child, you know, thinking people are going to turn around and and I think they would act, they did actually I do remember that they would turn around and say. Who is that lady that is back there? Are your earrings making noise or what? No, it's my headphones. Are your headphones are making noise? Creaking. Yeah, well, stop moving them. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, no one's no one's making you move your headphones, are they? But when I move my head, that makes that sound. <laughs> Keep your head still. I'll just try. Do you want to put on? Do you want to put on the ones that are falling apart? I'll try to be extremely still. Yeah. Okay. Just. Yeah, that'll help. Just there you go. She's not moving at all. She's just sh- shifting her eyes around. <laughs> That's all I got to do. Anyway, so people would turn around and look at my mom singing, and I would, you know, we would kind of just scoot down the pew, distance ourselves from her. But then as I've grown older, as I got even to to be a teenager, I realized um, that it's, I loved singing. I was a great singer. So now I realize why your headphones are making so much noise, because while I'm talking, you're yawning, which is (laughs) normal. It's normal. But I have to stop now. You interrupted my yawn by bragging on yourself. What's that? Which we just talked about. How did I brag on myself? You said you realized you're a great singer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I said something like, if I, if I said that, it was not what I meant to say. You said, I realized I'm a great singer. <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say, it. I realized how great it was to sing loud <laughs> in church. If I said that, I was a great singer. Well, true. I was not trying to say that. <laughs> I got some confidence 
in singing. That's what parents say about their kids when they brag on themselves. What is that? They say, well, I just think it's wonderful that he has confidence. That's what you're supposed to say if they're not any good. You know, he can't carry a tune, but he sure does enjoy it. And that's what counts. <laughs> no, so I, I did, you know, I got, I did have a lot of confidence. I gained self-confidence from, from, from maybe, um, just enjoying singing. Um, so I started to sing louder in church and learned all the songs. That's one thing about being a music minister or a, a music leader at a church is it takes years of just learn. You just hear the songs, and there's a lot of songs I still don't even know, but you just kind of know a lot of songs. You even know songs you don't think you know just right. by going to church forever. And uh, so uh, saying, going to church, you know, en- I've enjoyed singing, singing in the choir, singing congregationally. Well, then it just wound up being a music pastor at a church. That was my first full-time ministry job, the uh, you know, in earnest, whenever we went to Wake Village to be the the associate pastor and lead the music, and then so so I did a plenty of music leading there, and then when we've come to this church for most of the time we've been here, I've been the music leader here. Right. So I'm speaking to you as someone who watches people in the congregation every week sing, or not sing and fold their hands, and I can tell you that the people who come to worship and during the music participate, I I see in them a joy. I see in them, um, uh, I guess, maybe a way that they are relating and that they are serving the body through their enthusiastic singing that the other people aren't doing. You can really see the ones who are playing and the ones who are spectating, if it was a sport. Right. <clears throat> and church is not a spectator sport, and Christians are a singing people. They've always sang, even in the the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, they sing. That was part of it. They they sing a song when they're finished, and they go out. You know, God's people have always been singing people. There's a whole gigantic book right in the middle of the Bible called Songs. Yeah, it's a big deal. You are actually commanded to sing unto the Lord. A new song. So if you don't do that, you're sinning. It's true. It's it. You're commanded. Is it? Am I not right? Would you not agree with me? I've I've never thought about that before. It's a command. Sing to the Lord a new song. Yeah. You don't do it. When you don't do it, God says to sin. You go with the logic there. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm at least winning you over to my argument. Yeah, I am one. You don't even have to sing well. You just have to sing. And <clears throat> so what's going on when we're singing? What's happening when we're singing in church? All right, we're coming together, and we are, as adults, we, we come into this, to this room. We devote a fairly good sex, uh, amount of time uh, in, the, in the service of singing. And I think it's kind of on us, the ones who pick out the songs, not to pick out songs that are dopey. And I think we do some dopey stuff. I mean, you only know so many songs. Some of the songs aren't good. Some of the songs I can understand why people wouldn't want to sing them. But even when a song comes comes up that you don't really like, 
the thing to remember is other people in the room, they like that song because music's a very subjective thing. Right. What one person thinks is awesome, the other person thinks is stupid. So you that's where you really have an opportunity to show grace to each other and to say, you know what? You, you, you're going to sing the songs I like. I'm going to sing the songs you like. And in that way, I'm going to serve you. So I'm excited when a song comes up that I don't like that much because I can sing it with enthusiasm and know that it's serving the peop- serving others. I can be selfless even in the way I sing. Uh, when we sing, we're supposed to be uh, singing to one another. We're supposed to be singing to the Lord. The purpose of it is... you is uh, kind of connecting our brains with our hearts because music has a certain way of doing that. We're aware by looking around at the, the other people that are there that we're encouraging and we're exhorting and we're unified because we're all singing the same words. There's not that many ways that you can get on the same page with other people. Music is a real way that you can get on the same page right. with other people. So I, I think... People really discount the value of congregational singing. But I'll tell you something. What was the best part of T4G? Or one of the best parts? Well, the music was incredible. And what was so great about it? That you could hear everyone singing. And that everyone was singing. It wasn't like a thing where half the people in there had their arms folded and they weren't participating. It was that there was an anticipation when the, the sessions would start there was an anticipation of what the singing was going to be like. Right. And it was beautiful. And to hear all those men singing at the top of their lungs, it was, it, it was, it's something that every Christian ought to be able to hear at once because it sounds so awesome. Right. Um, <clears throat> that's not to say that there are never times whenever, you know, someone wouldn't need or want to be quiet in those times. I think that that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you're quiet, you're, you're reflecting, you're praying, you're listening to the sounds around you. I think that that is legitimate. Yeah, I think sometimes that would be, you know, I, but I don't think that's nor- the but norm. But as a habit, as a... It's not the norm. As a regular yeah. rule, you should go I would say, yeah, if, if you ca- If you came into church and everyone starts singing and you say, well, I always take that opportunity when everyone's singing just to, just to lay on the floor... You know, that is not corporate worship. Because the idea of corporate worship is we're, doing we're all together. doing this together. If right. you want to go listen to music and lay on the floor at home, you're free to do that. If you want to get in your closet and close your eyes and act like you're the, it's just you and God, uh, that's great too. But corporate worship, there's an awareness that we're doing something together <clears throat> and that we're we're in this together. And that's a neat kind of picture of the way that the church is operating. Uh, so... What we want to do is we want to bring our kids into that experience. So how do you teach your kids to sing in church? Number one, you have to sing in church. Your children need to see you. Melissa has memories of that, don't you, growing up? Yeah, very. I mean, my dad would, my dad is a great singer and he would stand beside me and he would sing harmony you know, to whatever they were singing, I was invited into that whole world of learning these old gospel songs and stuff by some of the 
what I would call old timers in our church who were. Oh, I just love those old timers. The, the old timers, they just have a way just to get on the harmonica and uh, they just grab that harmonica and one will just whistle, uh, just the beautiful whistling you've ever heard. And then harmonicas and the whistling and then the piano player is just singing the songs. And we just gathered around as the old timers and we just sang praises up unto the Lord. <laughs> so there were all of these old older men and women in the church who when they were younger they had quartets and you know mm-hmm. all this that was really popular mm-hmm. whenever they were younger and um they would invite me up to sing with them and they would teach me these harmony lines and it was a big part of my childhood i mean i've even written about that before about how they really welcomed me into the worship experience and i think that's an important part of going to church, you know, and for our kids, that's a way that they can participate. They may not be able to participate um, on that higher level plane of doctrine and theology in a lot of areas, but in singing, Mm. they can participate and they're learning doctrine when they're singing, if if you're singing good songs. Right. And... They are having that same experience that they have when they go to the hospitals, the nursing homes, the funerals. They are. I see what you you kind of tied in last night to tonight. I did. That was awesome the way you did that. Thank you. So um, they are learning again. What is it like to be the church? Well, here's part of it is Mm. we come together and we are unified as we sing to our God that we worship. Mm hmm. Now, um, so that's the why. We, Chad's covered a lot of the why of doing it. Now, how do we do it? Yes, we, we, model, we model it, it. by singing. That's very, very important. You can start when children are very young by teaching them. When the worship leader says, let's stand and sing, you stand up. Mm-hmm. And even if, you know, Emerald is it just turned six, she can't really read well enough to follow along all the words on the screen. But she can stand up. She can, you know, if she's got something in her hands or she's drawing or coloring, she puts that down and she stands up and she sings, sings when she can, when she knows the words. But when Emerald was a very, very small baby, mm-hmm. Remember, um, 10,000 Reasons was her favorite song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, she would sing. Yeah. Except she would say, oh my sore. But anyway, (laughs) she was singing praises to the Lord, you know, as a baby. Yeah. And I think it's so, so important that we don't just say to the kids, oh, Y'all don't have to worry about that until you're older. Just sit there and color or whatever. Yeah, if I, I, if they are on the, you know, I don't, I can't see every, every one of them, but if they are sitting on the front or what, if I can get their attention, I make them stand up. Yeah. From the podium, I've made them stand up before. If we're gonna, we're gonna engage in worship, you're gonna be in there. Get up. Do not let your kids sit in the pew and color while worship's going on because what you're what you're teaching them there is that it's it's that this is not for them. Right. Like that's the message that you're sending them is this is for us and there's nothing here that's going to be edifying for you. But if you get them into it, even the little ones, I mean, you're with Emerald, she's been knowing hymns for a long time. She'll remember when she was just a little riding around on her little bicycle singing standing on the promises that's that we sang that in the men's choir practice this past week and she was in there sitting by the accompanist while 
waiting for children's choir while you were speaking at another church. And uh, I said, well, we're going we're gonna to sing your favorite song, you know, and then she got embarrassed. But she does love Standing on the Promises. Yeah. And, and most of the time, they it doesn't take them very long to learn the chorus. And, you know, we've, we have created, I say you know a lot. You say I think and you know a lot. Those are things that we say a lot. I'm gonna try to cut that when you're out. when you're talking when you're speaking. It's like it's like a filler I put in there. I think it's a is a filler too. We say I think I think I think, and you know what Don Hunt, my moot court coach, when I was at law school, used to say, "Well, we know you think it, or you wouldn't be saying it." Okay, I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to cut those out of my vocab. So as I was saying, what was I saying? Well, we were talking about the, the emerald singing. Oh, the we have we have really separated the age groups in church. You know, we we ship the little ones off. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. in their age groups, mm-hmm. and we and, and that's there's not that's okay. It's, there's a purpose for that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's okay. But I think that this is one place where we can all come together right. yeah. in the singing in the sanctuary. It doesn't have to be kids' music, you know. And you don't have to be quiet. It's loud. Yeah. I mean, if we hit the pipes, you could scream at the top of your lungs and no one would hear you. Right. Our pipe organ is loud. It is. It's awesome. And the kids can, you know, when they're in there, they can, you know, you're standing up. You can move. They move around a little bit. They have a good time. Yeah. So make them engage, make them get up, make them, if, if make them sing. And, and, you know, if, oh, I did it again. Kids sometimes will say, oh, I don't like to sing. I'm not much of a singer. I don't have a good voice. All of these things. The now, where same, do they, where do they learn? The same things that grown ups yeah, say. They learn that because their parents, that just, Drives me nuts to hear people say, "Oh, you don't want me to sing." I'm. I think no. I do want you to sing. I'm asking you to to sing. I think it would be wonderful if everyone, even those who can't sing, would just try to sing. Listen, my mother claims that she can't sing. I disagree. I think she can carry a tune, but she, my whole life, she has sung so quietly in church you can hardly hear. Her. Mm-hmm. But you know what? She's always singing good she is always singing so you know My, michael and clark we salute you for always singing <laughs> thank you mom <laughs> just don't use that kind of thing as an excuse god commanded you to sing and he gave you the voice that he gave you mm-hmm. so he's happy with whatever it sounds like mm-hmm. true that so get those kids singing in church and participating in the body and the way you teach them is you do it and demand it. And then debrief. You know, when church is over, um, I like, well, of course, I'm always looking for feedback. And kids are good to give feedback because they, they are, not, are not quite sure what you're looking for. So I'll say, well, what did you think of the service or how did you like today? Did, what song did you like? That's a good question to ask them. Was there a song that you liked? Why did you like that song? Yeah. What did that song talk about that you liked? And and if your minister uh, that leads the music is any good, uh, you know he'll be picking songs that are that are about the gospel, and you can you can ask questions about well how does that song talk about how Jesus forgives sins? How does that song talk about how we should worship God? Whatever the song's talking about, to ask them about that. 
uh, I ask them, you know, what did you think of the sermon? And I say, what was it about? You know, what was the sermon about? To see if they're listening and to see if they'll recognize, you know, um, if the, maybe the theme or the particular word or the main idea that I was trying to get across in my message. And, you know, I think we can expect them to participate and we can expect them to listen and, and demand a lot more out of them than maybe people do. Right. I think, well, if they're just quiet, then we've accomplished something. No. Even if they're just quiet, if they're not engaging, you're just, again, sending the message that this is for us. And it's not for you uh, until you're older. And then we send them to youth group and we say, no, this, what the adults are doing is not for you. You go to your youth group. Then they get into college and they're expected to go to church and they say, uh, you know, I just really miss being in the youth department right. or, or I loved our college ministry. Now I'm an adult and I have to go to regular church and they've never felt like they were part of the body and, and, and didn't never learn how to serve each other by, um, singing songs they didn't like, or maybe singing songs that are really old, you know, teach children. How do you teach a child to appreciate hymns? <clears throat> I think, I think you go with teaching them that there are lots of different styles of music and lots of different ways that people worship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Adelaide was littler, she used to worry about the fact that she would see people who were having sort of an emotional experience during singing, mm-hmm. and she did not feel that way. She didn't feel emotional during singing, and she felt like that was a sign that spiritually she was deficient in some way. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important to talk to kids because when they when they start tuning in and they start participating, then they will start noticing the different ways that people are worshiping around them and the different ways that people are reacting. I think it's important for us to talk to them about how... It's okay if you don't raise your hands. It's okay if you don't clap. It's okay if you don't ever feel teary whenever you're singing. There's a lady in our church who um, had a a minister sort of indicate to her that she had a deficient worship experience every Sunday because she wasn't demonstrative in her worship. Really? And I think it's important for us to tell our kids, you know— the way you worship is individual, and it's okay if you don't have a big emotional experience. I think half mm. of that um, is us just getting ourselves worked up anyway whenever we're doing that. Mm-hmm. But as far as music styles, I think you could put that under the same umbrella. Some people like him. Some people prefer mm. this kind. Some people like this song. Some people don't. But we need to sing a variety of songs so that – Everyone is getting a little taste of their style that and they ev- like. And I, would, and I would even say everyone gets an opportunity to defer to someone else because that's how we serve one another. Exactly. The, the, I've got such a problem, and maybe your church does this, and you should talk to somebody and say, we need to quit doing this. But these churches that have a contemporary and a traditional service, I just want to slap them. I said, well, of all the dumb things to divide the, the – Satan is going to divide the body of Christ any way he can. And then we help him out by saying, you know what let's do? Let's split our church into people that like this kind of music. And, and let's, let's just go ahead and prioritize our music preferences over one another. It's ridiculous. 
How do you think that's how do you think that's playing out there in podcast yeah, land? I think that is um I think that's gonna upset some people. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by my words. No, I really do. I mean I I think that of all the trends that you've seen for I think it shows uh it's such a a lack of understanding of how we are commanded in the New Testament to treat one another. Is that if somebody came in and said, This is what I prefer, the Christians um the Christian's proper response to that is to defer. So no Christian should come in and say, I want my way, I want my song sung. The proper uh, way that a Christian re- responds to these by loving one another is to say, what do you want to sing? Right. What do you, and the other one says, well, what do you want to sing? Well, let's, let's sing both. Yeah. You know, let, and, and to teach the kids that a song is bad because it's new or to teach kids that a song is bad because it's old. That's real chronological snobbery. I mean, could Fanny Crosby help it whenever she was born? You know? Of yeah. course not. Fanny Crosby had no choice of when she was born. So that means she was writing songs in the 1880s, and she was writing songs the way songs sounded in the 1880s. Same with Philip Bliss or all these guys that wrote these amazing songs uh, over 100 years ago. And to say... Well, I don't like that song because it's old. Well, you're really penalizing the author for, for something that they couldn't help. They can't help when they were born. They can't help when they wrote the song. <clears throat> and, and you can teach your children that not every song has to be something you can dance to. Like not every song is going to have the type of beat that you're used to hearing. And sometimes when we're playing, our drummer will play kind of a pop beat to a hymn. And sometimes that sounds okay. But other times I'll turn around and say, I don't think the modern beat is going to work on this one. Yeah. And I say, play a cadence, you know, and it sounds more like a march. And when you play the songs, like not every song is going to be able to um, uh, be remixed. You can't do the the remix on all the hymns. Yeah. Some you can, it sounds fine. But when you play the song, sometimes the way that it was intended to be played and sung, it has a nice effect when when you're not trying to jazz it up. Right. You're just trying to play it traditionally. I love A Mighty Fortress is Our God played with a loud organ. And that sounds like church. And then you can turn right around and play one that was, you know, if your musicians are skilled enough, you can turn right around and you can play a song that was written last year. Now, some churches can't do that. And so I would say to a church where you've got, if you've got a piano player and her thing is she plays the hymns, and if she tries to do anything else or he tries to do anything else, it kind of falls flat. Like it seems that you're trying to do something that you really can't do. Don't try to do that. Stick with what you can do well. And don't don't just think that you have to be something just for the sake of being different. Um, the best kind of worship, even if you're just going to sing hymns, would be singing them well, uh, playing them well, singing them with enthusiasm and not worrying about it, not worrying about it. Realize that it, the, the music itself is sort of secondary to the activity that's happening, which is the congregations coming together to worship together. Right. So that's our, that's our, uh, man, we just jumped right into the worship wars, didn't we? We did. That's a lot of worship war, like kids of the worship war. That's kind of where I've settled. It's like, yeah. if you're, I would say a church with the with the split services that's a that's a casualty of the worship war. I agree. Like they decided to go like North and South Korea. Yeah. <laughs> and we want reunification. <laughs> we don't we don't want that North you know we don't want North Korea meeting at eight thirty. 
and yeah. South Korea meeting at 11. And then, you know, go into the demilitarized Sunday school zone yeah. <laughs> in between services. <laughs> the, the goal would be the goal would be to be deferring to one another. And even in that way, you're able to obey. And when no one is seeking to have their preferences and their own personal, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Their personal preferences, their personal uh, whatever, style um, uh, elevated, then everybody's going to be everybody's going to be a little bit happy and a little bit un- unhappy, you know. You'll, you'll, but mostly happy. But mostly happy because even if you're singing a song you don't like, yeah, you're having an opportunity to be a servant. Yeah. And and if you and just don't make a big don't, with your children, don't make a big deal out of of the music style or the music preference. Yeah, don't be groaning every time a yeah. hymn comes oh, on gosh. or every time it. A newer song comes on. Yeah. And don't underestimate the power of teaching your kids their music. If if mm. music that has biblical themes is not a part of your life at home, it should be. It should be. There are a lot of songs out there that teach kids scripture straight from the Bible. Yeah. You can learn a lot that way. And it's a good bonding experience in your home to sing together. That's fun. All right. We better wrap it up. It's fun to sing, and it's fun to dance in the kitchen. It is. You know, a little cool in the gang. <laughs> That's not very spiritual, though. Not very. Anyway. Well, it's been great. Day eight. It's been great for day eight. Day eight is great. Day eight is great. We've had an in- incredible time. Uh, you know, I've wondered <laughs> if we're going to be able to sustain our marriage these 31 days. And tonight, tonight's was easy. I feel like we're going to make it. <laughs> I, think, I think we've got a chance. <laughs> All right, so you guys have a great uh, day, and uh, depend upon the Lord, and we will see you tomorrow. Catch you tomorrow. Bye-bye.